Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. I'm Pastor Rob. It's great to be here with you tonight. And we want to welcome all those. We've got people that join us online. We have people that join us in Muskego as well as Waterford. So those in Waukesha, let's just give them a warm welcome as well. Would you do that with me today? Great to see you guys. I love seeing God change lives. Anybody else? How many thought, man, Randy's story is a great example of that, right? Man, yeah, let's just praise God for that. I can't hear enough of those types of stories where God totally changes the life and it just leaves you in that place of wow when that happens. It reminds me of my friend Jim. Jim had started coming out to Fox River. I hadn't met him before he started coming out, but somehow we connected and he had all kinds of questions. He had questions about Jesus. He had questions about faith, about church, about God, about the Bible. And so I did my best just to be able to sit with him and and share answers and guide him and to just be able to see God work. Well, ultimately, Jim came to receive Jesus as a Savior. It began to make sense what Jesus had done for him. But it got real interesting a few months um, later where I was just standing in the foyer and in walks Jim with one of his longtime friends. And so we strike up a conversation, and I knew that she had been invited by him, but I thought, I'm going to probe a little bit further. And so I just said, hey, what, what really brought you out? And she said, well, the story goes like this. I just happened to ask Jim what he was doing on the weekend. And so he told me some of the fun things he was doing on Saturday, and then he said, and on Sunday, I'm going to church. And she just paused. And this is what she told me she thought. And she actually went on to say, if somebody like Jim goes to church, I've got to go to church. (laughs) Do you know someone, someone where you just had this thought, it would take a miracle for that person to receive Jesus? How many of you are saying, I am that person? Somebody said that about me, or at least thought that about me. Well, we're going to look at a guy by the name of Saul, better known to most of us as Paul, because we're journeying through the book of Acts, and we've been talking about the unstoppable church, that Jesus said, on this church, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. It's going to be unstoppable. And one of the reasons that it's unstoppable is we have a God who will stop at nothing, at nothing, in order to bring someone to him. And I am so grateful that that's the way that God pursues us. Because it's so, so very important. So let me ask you to do this, if you would. Grab a Bible and turn to Acts chapter 7. We're just going to spend a moment in Acts chapter 7. We're going to spend most of our time in Acts chapter 9. And I want to encourage you, as we've been encouraging you, take the book of Acts this week and read a chapter. And this week, I specifically want you to read chapter 9 as we get to see about God's working in Saul's life. But the first time we hear about Saul is in Acts chapter 7, near the very end of it. And so if you'll go to verse number 55, 
Let me give you a little background. There's this guy named Stephen. And Stephen preaches this fantastic message. He's going through the Old Testament, gets to the New Testament. He talks about this guy named Jesus. And then he looks at everybody. He looks at the crowd. And he knows who's in the crowd. And he says, and you killed him. How do you think that's going to set with those people? Not very well. Not very well at all. And so this is what happens. In verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Imagine him saying this to people who didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He says, look, look. He said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And look at their reaction. At this, they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named who? Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Another term many times used by Paul himself even. He died at that moment. Wow. Saul was there. He was a very committed religious person. Committed to God, but not committed to Jesus. And this would fuel his fire. And he went on a mission to wipe out the church. And we see that. Just turn over a little bit here to the next chapter. Acts chapter 8, we're going to see another interaction here that takes place. And begin here, if you would, in verse number 3. It tells us this. But Saul began to destroy the church. He went from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. That's what he made the mission of his life, believing, I am doing this as a service of God. I'm going to take anyone and everyone who says that they believe in Jesus, whoever talks about Jesus, and I'm going to put them in jail. He went as far as to, as he would travel, and he would purposely travel to different places. One of those places he's going to travel to is a place called Damascus. And we see that in chapter 9, so just keep going here. Chapter 9, and let's look at verses 1 and 2. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters. Now, that high priest is the same person who had Jesus crucified, okay? So he goes to him, he gets permission from him, and he says, I need letters from you so I can go to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, think Christianity, it wasn't called Christianity yet, though, the church, Whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, from what you know, don't go into the future here. Don't don't go into Paul gear here. Think this this part of Paul's life, Saul's life. How many of you are saying he's a lost cause, man? Whoa. I'm not touching him with the gospel. It's like there ain't no way. He's killing Christians. He's not going to become a Christian. There is no way possible. It would take a miracle. He had a horrific past, a horrific past. But you know what? We have a few things in common, don't we? The truth is, we have things in common with Saul. Not that we hate Christians. We all have a past. Every one of us 
has a past. You see, what we're going to read here is what's known as the conversion of Paul. Now, how many right when you hear that word, you're like, I don't like that word. Maybe it kind of puts you off a little bit, like conversion. You know, that's somebody trying to change me, you know, kind of mess with me. Conversion is actually a very, very important word. Hugely important word. And it simply means, if you were to boil it down and just give it one definition, it would be this, change. That's what conversion means. And God changed Saul. That's what he did. And he wants to change every single one of us. Because we all have something in our past that is exactly the same as Paul. In fact, if I were to take and just draw it out here for us. You know what? We have a lifeline. We have birth over here. We have death over here. And like I mentioned, we have a past. And do you know what's a part of every single person's past? Is at some point, they are rejecting Jesus. Every single one of us, we've rejected him. The Bible calls it sin. It says every single one of us has sinned, and in sinning, we are saying no to Jesus. That's what we're doing. And so what God wants to happen here, and the beautiful change that he's talking about, when a person is converted, they're going from rejecting to receiving. That's what it is. And that's what he wants for every single one of us. But like I said, we all have a past. And we start out as enemies of God. And the reason I know that is Romans chapter 5. And the interesting thing is Paul is actually the one who writes this later on in life. Romans chapter 5 verse number 10. He says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? You see, because of our sin, We all start out as enemies of God, every single one of us. Every one of us. But here's the good news. No one, absolutely no one, is beyond God's grace. It doesn't matter what's been a part of your past. It doesn't. Because you can still receive God's forgiveness, His grace, So have you ever convinced yourself that God could never forgive you? Have you convinced yourself that the things that you have done could never be forgiven? That's not true. Have you convinced yourself, I could never change? I'm I'm tied to my past. The things that I've done, I'm still reaping the consequences of some of those things. And you may be, but you're not tied to that past. Because no one is beyond God's grace. No one is outside the reach of God's love. There's not a single person, not you, not anyone you know. You may have convinced yourself that there are people in your life that you could never tell them about Jesus because they're too far gone. It's not true. Never will be true, in fact. Here's how we know that, because God goes to great lengths in order to bring us to him. He does. Look at what he does here for Paul. We see it where we left off. Chapter 9, but this time go to verses 3 and 4. An amazing thing happens as he's going on his way to Damascus. A miraculous thing. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. 
he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, you know what? It's very easy to get caught in this place of, you know what? That's Paul's story right there. And it is. My story's not like Paul's in that way. Yours probably isn't either. But you know what is like Paul's? God intervened in my life when I was rejecting Jesus. He did. I don't remember all the times, in fact. I'm sure there are multiple times, many more than I could ever even remember. I do remember this one. A public school teacher of all people came and invited me to go to church with her. You might think, that's not a big deal. For me, it was. Here's why. Because I grew up in a home that was not religious. Anybody else like that? I grew up in a home that by all outward appearances, you would think that they never believed in God because they never talked about God, they didn't go to church, and they didn't pray. Anybody else relate to that? It's like that was what my life was like early on. Thankfully, it was just early on like that because God's going to change it. And I remember a public school teacher inviting me to go to church. I took her up on it, went one time, didn't go back. Not because I didn't want to, because I didn't go to church. And neither did my parents. I had nothing to bring me to church. Nothing at all. So it's like, okay, we're going to keep at it, right? We're going to keep going on this guy. He's going to need a little more help. So he brought a neighbor into my life. That neighbor said, hey, would you like to go to this camp? I go, what kind of camp is it? And he had this big orange and yellow button that said, Jesus saves on it. I'm like, sounds like fun. It does. How much does it cost? A couple hundred bucks. No, no thank you. There's no way I could go to something like that. That's where it stopped. But God didn't stop working. You notice where he had to work? In the opposite place that many times we think he's working, Right? We think he's working in a room like this right here, and as soon as we go outside this room, we wonder if he's working. But in order to get me, he had to go outside. That's what he had to do, because that's where I was. He used a young man when I moved to a new school. That's what he used. And ultimately, I would come to a place where I'd go from rejecting to receiving. And know how that would happen? There was a lady named Darlene. And she decided to volunteer at her church. And what she volunteered to do? To teach Bible stories to kids. And I was one of those kids. And for the first time that I could ever remember, she told me that Jesus died for me. And he did it so that my sins could be forgiven. And that if I wanted to receive that forgiveness, I could. She volunteered to share that message with me. And that's all it took for me to receive Jesus was for her to invite me to do so. You know what? That's what was happening in Paul's life. And that's what happens in each one of our lives is God uses other people to invite us, to invite us to receive his forgiveness, to go from rejecting to receiving so how does that happen? Well, for Paul, he used a bright light, didn't he? A blinding light. And then he spoke to him, even. And did you catch what he said? He said here, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, if you're asked, why are you persecuting someone, what do you think the thing you better find out is? Who is this person, right? Right? 
So Paul, being a pretty intelligent man, thought, I better find out if I'm going to get accused of persecuting someone, who it is that I'm persecuting. He's not going to want to know. He is not going to want to know. Because there's going to be an uh-oh moment. Or Scooby-Doo language, right? Ruh-roh, shaggy. You ever have an uh-oh moment? Uh-oh moment's kind of like this. The young man who's applying for a new job and he goes in for an interview. And he's all excited and as he gets to the parking lot, there's a person waiting for the space. But rather than let them have that space, he goes ahead and dodges into that, into that lot. And to make sure they don't complain about it, as he gets out of his car, he just throws a few swear words at him. And he's like, you know what, I'm, I'm busy right now. He makes his way up. He's thinking, I'm going to nail this job. I'm going to nail this interview. And I'm going to have a brand new job. He gets up to the office. He sits in the desk across from who he knew was going to be his future boss. Only to have him look up, grinning from ear to ear, the guy that he just cussed out and took his parking spot. Yes, uh uh-oh, is right. Paul is going to have an uh uh-oh moment. Not every uh uh-oh moment or every receiving is an uh uh-oh moment, okay? But some are. So let's paint the picture again. Do you remember what Paul was doing before he went to Damascus? And do you remember why Paul was going to Damascus? Because he hated who? A guy by the name of No trick question here. This is the obvious one in church, okay? Who? Jesus. So, let's follow along here. Some of you read ahead. You already know the answer, don't you? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Verse number five. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am, would you say it with me? Jesus. And would you say it with me? Uh Uh-oh. Would you say it with me? Uh Uh-oh. Do you know what Saul just experienced? What many of us experience at this point in our life. The fear of God and the love of God all at the same time. Because you see your sin for what it is, and you know that that God should punish that sin, and you're wondering why in the world he's choosing not to. Do you know why he's choosing not to? He tells us, Again, this guy Paul, he's brilliant. He'll go on to write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. Every conversion is a miracle. Every single one. Everything has to go from old to new, and that's a miracle. For Paul, we see how it happened. And it happens the same for you and me, each one of us. He says in Romans 2, verse number 4, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? He's talking about God's kindness. He's talking about Jesus' kindness. His kindness, his forbearance, and his patience. Not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. You see, It's when you experience the kindness of God, when you experience the grace of God, when you understand that you don't deserve that grace, but you get to receive it anyways, you go from rejecting to receiving. 
You place your faith in Jesus Christ that he's the one who died for you and you have change that takes place. But sometimes we downplay it. We think, I can see the miracle in Paul's life. It's not like everybody walks around and Jesus shows up in a shining light speaking audibly so you can hear it and you're struck blind. But every conversion is a miracle, yours included. Think about it. It's a miracle that Jesus left heaven to come to earth. That's a miracle. It's a miracle that he loved you enough to die on the cross, to be buried, and to rise from the dead. That's a miracle. It's a miracle for someone to go from rejecting Jesus to receiving him. Every single time, that's a miracle. It's a miracle when his kindness brings you to repentance. So, are you waiting for a miracle? You already have yours. Stop waiting. There should be no more waiting. God gave you your miracle when he died and he rose for you. There is your miracle. Do you want to see more miracles happen? Then take your story and share it with someone who doesn't know Jesus yet, someone who hasn't experienced the kindness of God someone who's never received Jesus as their Savior, and see what God does with it. And let him work. Let him work and watch him work all along the way. Sometimes we stop at this point thinking, this is good enough. I got my ticket to heaven. I'm good. What am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? He's not done. In fact, it's just the beginning. For each and every one of us who have trusted Christ, he's got a lot more to do. And he wants to do a lot through us, and a lot can happen through one person. And that's because change doesn't just impact one person. If you would have seen Paul back here, you would have probably said, it will take a miracle for that guy to ever trust Jesus. But we know too much, don't we? Do you realize Paul wrote most of the New Testament? If it wasn't for Paul, we would not be sitting in these seats here today. One person will have a ripple effect on the world. You, when you make this choice and you share it with others, you will have a ripple effect and it will ripple into your family. It will ripple into your friends. It will ripple into your workplace and it will change lives. You see, every time we say yes to Jesus, God does something significant every single time, and he wants to continue to do significant things through us. A lot can happen. As Randy shared his story, it reminded me of years ago when a group of guys, one being Dave Jubeck, another one, Chuck Jersick, another one as well, and, and many others that I, that I wouldn't be able to name all the names, Julie, they said, we need to celebrate recovery here because God has changed our lives and we want him to change others. We all just experience, we experience the ripple effect. What God will do when a person says yes to him, it doesn't just change them. It changes others as well. 
and some that we won't even realize and we won't ever know. If someone would have said, long before I was born, Arlene's going to become a Christian, and somewhere in her path, she's going to say yes to Jesus, and then she's going to say yes to him again, and yes to him again, and she's going to say, Jesus, if you want me to teach children, I'll teach children about you. And then someone named Rob Warnell is going to walk into her classroom. And he's going to say yes to Jesus. You see what happens? God will do amazing things through anyone who will yield themselves to him. So we have to ask, what are those next steps? You hear us talk about several of them. Baptism. He says, will you say yes? Will you go public with your faith? Will you be baptized? That's why you hear us talk about, you know what, we need to have friends around us. We need faith-building friendships in our life. Join a small group. Be a part of a small group. It's why we give here at Fox River, because we know that that allows us to take the message of Jesus here and wide. It does. What's your next step? Because God isn't finished with you yet. And he wants you to take that step. And he wants to continue to see his work done through you and in you. But be ready, because it will be met with skepticism. Because change is always met with skepticism. It is, isn't it? For Paul, and we can't fault people. I would have been one of them. I'm just being honest right now. I would have been a little skeptical if Saul would have came to me and said, hey, I'm a Jesus follower now. Everything's good. Everything's good. Especially if you lived in Damascus, right? You'd be like, what? No. No way. So look at what happens when he gets around other Christ followers, in fact. When he shows up, in verse number 19, he begins to share things and great things God's doing through him. It says, after talking, after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Whoa, that's a different Paul, isn't it? Whoa, that's a different Saul. All those who heard him were astonished and they asked. And they asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? How many would like that reputation right there? Can I have that reputation? Hey, that's Rob Warnell. Isn't he the guy who raised havoc, you know? Who went out to the parties, man? Was the life of the party? Isn't he the one? Isn't he the one who had a messed up family? Isn't he the one? We all have a past. And some will look at that as a reputation. But God will use it. Because look at what happens. It grabs people's attention, doesn't it? All those who heard him. They were asking that question. Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Wow, word goes fast, doesn't it? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. You see, one of the proofs that Jesus is who he says he is is your changed life. It is. It is. So if you are on this side still, living in your past, no one is beyond God's grace. You have your miracle. 
and it's time to receive. So as we wrap up this service and if you've never trusted Christ, I'm going to ask you today, are you ready to receive Jesus? Because he rose from the dead. He died and rose from the dead for you. If you've already made this decision, maybe you've parked yourself here. God has a next step for you. And he wants to do significant things through you yielding yourself and saying yes to him. What is your next yes? You'll see several of those things on our QR code, so make sure you use that. It's a tool to find your next step and to allow us to help you take that step as well. So I want you to take time right now, Christ follower, to pray. And if you don't know what that next yes is, ask God. And if you do know what that next yes is, ask for his strength to be able to help you to take it. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you. Your grace, your kindness, Lord, leads us to repentance. It brings about that moment, Lord, where the fear of God and the love of God collide and we get to experience your grace. If you're here today, you'd say, Pastor Rob, I've never received Jesus. But I want to today. And I'm going to ask you to pray to God right now. And just let him know that. Just a simple prayer. Something like this. Dear God, I'm trusting that Jesus died and he rose for me so that my past could be forgiven. Even the things that I'm still doing and will do in the future can be forgiven. And I want to receive that gift of salvation right here and right now. With eyes closed, heads bowed, each of our campuses. If that's you, you're saying, I'm trusting Jesus today. Would you just raise your hand? Say, that's me. I'm going from rejecting to receiving right here and right now. Okay. Lord God, we thank you. We praise you for showing your love to us and for letting everyone who comes to you, Lord, do it because of the miracle that you've provided for us. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone in agreement said, amen. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.